So I'm wondering, um, have any of you ever had to retrain for a job that you already had? Like you had to learn to do this job that you've been doing for quite some time. Someone comes along and says, hey, you have to do it differently from here on out. This happened to me back in the early 2000s. The internet, you might remember, was just starting to change everything. And I was teaching dramatic literature. I was teaching acting classes at the University of Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania. This will tell you kind of when in the world this was. I can still remember the day a student came in talking about looking up his classmates on, on the Facebook. And, and I said, oh yeah, you mean like the little book that has all the pictures of all the students in college? And at my college called it the look book. And you could look, and he just looked at me like I was a complete idiot. And I wasn't even 30 yet. And the internet had already passed me by. Fast forward to now, and I just learned that people under 30 aren't even using Facebook anymore. And they're also not using Blackboard as much. Did you know, anybody ever use Blackboard? It's, not, it's no longer the leading online education interface if you're doing online courses or even in-person courses in the college world. But back in my day, when I didn't know what Facebook was, Blackboard was new. And my university IT department decided that every class had to use Blackboard online interface at least twice a week. I taught acting. And I complained. <laughs> and I argued. And I whined. And I cried about having to learn something new that I thought was completely pointless and worthless and ridiculous to use for teaching acting to students in the room with me. And I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to change what I'd always done, the way I'd always done it. What I knew worked, right? But I changed anyway because I knew if I didn't, I wouldn't have a job. That's what happened to my uncle, actually. He was an awesome ESL teacher, different college. He was changing lives. He was helping people adjust to new life and a new country. But he hated computers had no use for them. And when he got the ultimatum to adapt or lose his job, he walked. And he lost the opportunity to change lives the way he'd been doing. So fast forward to 20 years now, and Blackboard and technology like that, it saved education during the pandemic. My daughter's acting class was entirely online <laughs> in high school. And it kept us doing church during the pandemic, and it continues to connect us to one another online in ways that weren't possible before we decided to retrain ourselves. We're able to continue changing lives and helping people adjust to life as Christian strangers in a strange land because we're willing to adapt how we do things. Because we didn't walk away when we were asked to retrain. That's what our scripture is about today. Christ's call to some fishermen to adapt, to retrain, to do the things that they'd always done, but to do them differently. And so this is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, 
Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee. The people crowded around him and listened to the word of God. Jesus saw two boats at the edge of the water. They'd been left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into the boat that belonged to Simon. And Jesus asked him to go out a little way from the shore. And then he sat down in the boat and taught the people. And when he finished speaking, he turned to Simon. And Jesus said, go out into deep water. Let down the nets so you can catch some fish. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught a large number of fish. There were so many that their nets began to break. So they motioned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Go away from me, Lord, he said. I am a sinful man. He and everyone with him were amazed at the number of fish they had caught. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who worked with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore. And then they left everything and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you that you sent your son to us. That he would get in the boat with us. He would ride out these sometimes rocky waves we find ourselves on. And that he would teach us, teach us new things, new ways to be the people you have called us to be. And so we pray today that we might be open to you, that we might, each of us, hear a new word spoken into our hearts. It's in your name we pray, amen. So I imagine this scripture is familiar to many of us. It's a famous moment, right? Jesus calling his first disciples to leave everything and follow him plus we we happened to read it last february when luke was our gospel for the year but it may have sounded a little bit differently this time around and that's because i read from a different translation things have changed since last february god's been doing a new thing in the life of faith and diane Knowlton has helped me out recently we were working on a grant for some inclusive worship supplies for Good People Cafe, and she'd done a deep dive into Bible translations for individuals who have difficulty reading. And so we're hoping to get 100 copies of this large print New International Reader's Version to accommodate a wide range of reading and vision issues. It's the same trusted translation um, as the NIV that many of us maybe are used to, only the sentence structure is simpler and the vocabulary is kept to about a third grade reading level. I don't know about you, but I actually find it easier to follow along when I'm hearing it out loud. Regardless of reading level, it's helpful to hear. And it's helpful to hear things in a different way. It's funny how something can change your life, can shift your perspective, and open your eyes to a whole new way of seeing the world. That happened to Peter, who in our scripture today is still called Simon. It happened to him in today's scripture 
Because Peter and, and presumably his brother Andrew, James, and John, they just spent the night doing what they do every night, fishing. Only it had been pretty disappointing, right? Despite their skill, despite doing the same thing their families had been doing for generations, despite their efforts, how many fish did they catch? Zero, zilch, none, nada. So you can picture them probably sitting there in silence, maybe muttering as they wash their nets, frustrated, angry, confused, maybe more than a little hungry. And Jesus comes and, and begins to teach some crowds that have gathered, which I'm thinking would just add insult to injury. Like, great, now all these people show up and they get to see how worthless our night was of fishing. They get to see us with our nets of disappointment. And then Jesus has the gall to get into Peter's boat and ask him to row him away from shore so he can teach the crowd more effectively. And, and it's important to remember right now that this isn't the first time Peter has seen Jesus. Peter no doubt at least heard that Jesus had cast some demons out in the synagogue in his hometown of Capernaum. And Peter most likely saw Jesus heal his mother-in-law in her home. So when Jesus asked Peter to row him out from shore, it's no wonder Peter's like, okay, yeah, I got you. Although I gotta wonder if at this point Peter wasn't muttering to himself like we do sometimes. Well, apparently this boat isn't good for fishing, so maybe it's good for teaching at least something, right? But then Jesus goes and tells Peter to catch some fish, which causes Peter to get maybe a little testy. Faster. We've worked all night and we haven't caught what? anything like you can hear his exasperation maybe even some annoyance like who are you to tell me about fishing we've been doing it this way for generations and it ain't working today what do you know about fishing jesus you're a carpenter's kid like you don't see me telling you how to make a table you're a pretty good teacher pretty good rabbi and you did heal my mother-in-law but fishing really <sighs> But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I, I hear it this way. Whatever you say, Jesus, we'll humor you, and then we'll see who the fishing expert is. Only what happens? The nets are full of what? Fish. So full that Peter and Andrew have to call James and John over to help, and there were so many fish in their boats that they threatened to sink from the weight of it all. And the fishermen, we read, were amazed because Jesus had just schooled them when it came to catching a fish. See what I, you got it, there you go. They knew they wouldn't catch anything. They knew it was pointless. The fish weren't biting. And what's more, this isn't even the time of day to catch a fish. This isn't how you do it. This has never been how we do it. And yet, they couldn't deny that they just caught more fish than they'd ever caught in their lives. Probably more fish than anyone had ever caught in the lives of their fishermen ancestors. You see, Jesus had just retrained them to do a job they'd been doing perfectly well their whole lives. Their way of catching fish had been working for generations. 
And then Jesus comes along, and they can't deny the results. Like me, years ago, I'd been teaching acting the same way that people had been teaching acting for generations. Stella Adler didn't need the internet to teach people to act. Konstantin Stanislavski didn't need the net to teach Moscow Arts Theater Company to act. Richard Burbage didn't need the net to teach Shakespeare's actors to act. Thespis didn't need the net to teach ancient Greeks to act. Why do you think I need the internet to teach my future Marlon Brandos and Meryl Streep's to act? Peter and I were incredulous at the insinuation that some outsider could retrain us to do the thing we already knew how to do. And in hindsight, Peter and I were both proven wrong. Peter's nets were full of fish. And during COVID, the internet was full of future actors learning their trade. Peter and Andrew and James and John were retrained. They learned now that when they fished with the Messiah at their side, the harvest is plentiful. Same job, same desired outcome, just a new guy in the boat. <laughs> and a new way of doing things. It got me thinking about some of the things that have been happening here since COVID. Like, you know, right before COVID shut down, we were on the verge of a goal we'd had, which was to break 200 people in worship on a Sunday morning. Having 200 people worshiping at faith every Sunday morning was a major milestone for this church. It's what got us to the point where we could build this building back in 2006. When that pastor retired and the church stumbled to find its footing in the years that followed, worship attendance, as it does sometimes, began to drop. We weren't catching as many disciples as we used to. We weren't reaching the people like we used to. And just when we were making strides to become the people that we thought we were, just when our nets began to fill again, COVID knocked us back. And since COVID, since we've come back, we've been focused on filling these seats back with new people, new souls for Jesus. And we've been doing that. You know, we've, we've lost some beautiful, faithful people. We've lost their lives on the way. But we've been joined by some equally beautiful people mostly <clears throat> this year <laughs> this year though our goal was to break 200 in worship that was our goal and and we actually have done that a couple of times but just not on a weekly basis right now after summer our average is hovering around 150 a sunday you haven't quite made it our nets aren't filling the way that we hoped they would we're not reaching people with the gospel like we hoped. And, and sometimes that can be frustrating because we've doing, been doing all the things we know how to do. We're doing the same things that got us over 200 people in the past. We've been doing the same things that almost got us there before COVID. We've been doing the same thing that our Methodist parents did. We've been doing the same thing that our Methodist grandparents did. We've been fishing for people the same way we've always fished for people. It's like we've been outcasting our nets all night and here we are in the morning and they're not as full as we'd hoped they'd be. They're not as full as we're used to. 
And it's frustrating not to see more fish. Like, don't get me wrong, we got some good-looking fish. But we want to fill our nets. We want to fill our nets, our seats. We want to fill our seats so full that we need a new sanctuary, lest our current sanctuary sink from all the weight. Amen? Amen. And it's funny. We spent the last three years doing all the things we know how to do, all the things we've always done. We've worked on making worship more inviting. We've added new programs. We've invited new people to new events all the time. We're doing all the things. We're going all in on what's been called the attractional model of church growth. The attractional model of church growth. Churchplanning.com describes the attractional model this way. The attractional model focuses on creating an inviting and appealing environment for people to gather. It aims to attract individuals to church through vibrant worship experiences, dynamic programs, and engaging events. Meanwhile, while we've been upstairs trying to become more attractive, worried about filling our seat nets, working the attractional model, wondering some days, like, are, am I attractive? <laughs> like, maybe I'm not as attractive as I thought. I hope I'm attractive. While we've been up here, took a minute to realize, but God's been downstairs retraining us in a new model, in the missional model of kingdom growth. This is what churchplanning.com says about the missional model of kingdom growth. The missional model emphasizes reaching out beyond the church walls and actively engaging in the world. Do you hear the difference there? Between just hanging out in our boat, trying to make things fancied up in our boat and expecting the fish to hop in. We go out in the world and actively engage in the world. It seeks to bring Christ's love to communities, meet their needs, and share the gospel through acts of service and relationship building. You see, God invited us to start packing back snacks for our elementary schools in the large Sunday school classroom. That's bringing Christ's love to our community. It's meeting the needs of our community, sharing the gospel through service and relationships. And then God brought more people to that table, more relationships. God brought the Grain Valley High School Life Directions class to come help pack and deliver the snacks, which also met their needs of learning jobs and social skills on their way to becoming more independent. And while we're up here worried about our sanctuary nets not being full, we had a room full of volunteers and people new to our church finding a place, a purpose, and a passion in the name of Christ Jesus. They weren't doing it up here, though. They were doing it downstairs. You could hear them doing it if you're in the hallway on a Thursday morning. We just didn't see it. Maybe because it was new. And Jesus was still retraining us not to seek church growth first, but to seek kingdom growth first. And the next thing you know, after 25 years, the Friendship Club joins Faith United Methodist Church, and our sanctuary is full, full of new people one Friday a month, every month. 
Some of those people are joining us on Sunday morning, but that's not the point. That's our old training trying to take over, where we measure the success of anything by who sits down in here on Sunday. That's the attractional model trying to say, look, see, we're still attractive. After all these years, someone came on Sunday. But the missional model says, hey, look, we're reaching new people with the goodness of God. We're meeting their needs by providing a place. We're forming new relationships, and the people of faith are finding a new passion for all God's people in ways we've never known before. I don't know about you, but I can feel that passion. I can feel a people coming alive these last months, this year especially, in the new things that are happening and the new relationships that are forming. God has been retraining us. Just like Jesus retrained Peter. And after Jesus retrained Peter and Andrew and James and John, you know what he did? He went and repurposed them. That's what Jesus did. He repurposed these fishers of fish into what? Fishers of people, fishers of men. And from where I'm standing, that's what Jesus wants to do with us. He's been retraining the people of faith to see all God's people. He's been retraining us into a missional church focused on kingdom growth by reaching out beyond our walls and actively engaging in the world, by bringing Christ's love for all people out into the community. And now he's called us to repurpose the old library into an extension of Faith United Methodist Church that can meet the needs of beautiful people in our community who need to work somewhere that values them for who they are as children of God. To meet the needs of the youth in this community who need a safe place to hang out after school hours, to build relationships and grow in faith. To meet the needs of young adults and who are community looking for a place to worship that isn't their parents' church, a place where they don't have to come to worship and be known as little Timmy for the rest of their life. But I can be Tim! <laughs> That's what Jesus did with Peter. And Peter accepted his new training, maybe with a bit of grumbling, and he allowed himself to be repurposed. That's what Jesus is doing here at Faith. He's retraining us to be a church that sees the people outside our walls instead of, figuring, instead of worrying and focusing so much on how attractive our boat is. That sees people, sees the people who aren't in our pews, or in any pews for that matter, instead of lamenting the pews that are empty to go out and see the people that are supposed to be in them. He's repurposing us from church growth warriors into kingdom growth workers. And so the question is, what will you do? Are, are you going to allow yourself to be retrained? Are you going to walk saying, nah, that's not for me. I'm too old for that. 
I don't believe in computers. <laughs> Are you going to allow yourself to be repurposed for the kingdom? Amen.